Don't worry, Mr. Silva is still here. As you can see, he's just taking a rest day. Listen, substitute teachers, we're not the best. We don't know everyone's names. Uh, shout out to A.A. Ron. A.A. Ron, are you here? A.A. Ron, some of you guys didn't get that because you don't watch TV. It's okay because you probably make more money than me, but whatever. I won't say that I was the worst student. I was a pretty consistent honor roll student, but I can't say I was the best student either. I dropped out of school when I was in sixth grade. Hey, don't judge. That was the first time. That was the first time I dropped out of school. I decided one day, you know, I, I'm just not going to go to school. I think it was winter break, and my mom, she always worked the overnight shift at the hospital. By the time she would come home, we would be on the bus. And I just decided I was going to stay in the basement and watch my daytime talk shows and my soap operas, General Hospital. Shout out to General Hospital. And I hid in the basement for three to four weeks. My brother, super loyal because he rode the bus with me. He did not turn me in, thank God. I ended up dropping out again in my freshman year of high school and then my sophomore year of college. So when pastors say that God can use anybody, they really mean that God can use anybody. I think at this point, I should probably get my bachelor's, go for my master's, drop out of master's school, and then get my master's again. God can use anyone. I'll say this, though. I was, I was a bit of a smart aleck. This may seem like a surprise. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Pretty, pretty arrogant. I remember one time, my senior year in high school, Miss Palaparthi was... She was our English teacher and she was going down, the, she was mad. She was furious because no one had done their homework. And so she's going down the rows of students one by one. And she says, well, why didn't you do homework? And everyone says, oh, I forgot. Oh, I didn't know it was due today. Oh, my dog gave my homework. And finally, she came to me and I didn't want to lie, but I also didn't do my homework. So she said, Mr. Crooks, how come you didn't do your homework? And I said, I neglected to do my homework. And she said, what do you mean you neglected? And I said, well, I just didn't see the point of it. I didn't think that it was important for me as it pertains to the material. I think I could do well without the homework. I really thought she was going to just go off on me. And to my surprise, she said, you know what, class? Mr. Crooks is the only one who doesn't have to do the homework here because he's the only one that's passing. <laughs> I didn't make a lot of friends that day, obviously. But all that to say, I didn't care much for school. I did love one part of school, and that brings us to our topic today. I loved recess. Recess to me was my favorite. If you can call it a subject, I don't know if you can, but it was my favorite subject in school. I loved just having a break to unwind. I remember when I was in fourth grade, one of our favorite things to do was we'd play games at recess. One of my favorite games was chicken fighting where you'd hang on the monkey bars. Anyone ever do that? Some of y'all kids, man, you don't do that, man. You need to get off Instagram. You need to go out to a playground, just do some chicken fighting. And I want to say this girl, I want to say this girl was probably in fifth grade, sixth grade. Obviously, girls develop a little bit faster. They, they grow a little bit faster than, than boys do. I don't remember her name, but I know we called her Daddy Long Legs because she was probably about six feet tall, and she was 80% legs. And she can wrap her legs around you from the first or second monkey bar. She would just get you. you. You wouldn't even be on the bars yet, and she got you. And I developed a strategy. You know what I'm going to do is I'm shorter. I'm a little dude. Shout out to my Pinoys, my Filipinos. I'm a little dude. 
And, and so what I did was I just kept my knees up as high as po I possibly could because I realized her legs couldn't reach me if I was just higher up. And then eventually I was able to pull her down. And then my buddy, and that's how I became king of the playground for one day, uh, until my buddy took my same strategy. He was shorter than me and he kicked me in the face and that was it. But recess, recess is vital to a child's development. Studies show that some of the benefits of recess include improved memory, attention, concentration, social and emotional development, as well as a reduction in disruptive behavior. Some of you all need a reduction in your disruptive behavior. Okay, I'm with you. And so we get to point number one. Number one, God is a God of recess. God is a God of recess, or God is a God of rest. Look at Psalm chapter 23, verses 1, th one through 3. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest. Take that in for a second. He lets me rest. Because some of you guys, some of us, we're going through a lot. And we feel like we just got to stay busy. We got to stay the course. And part of the course, though, what God has for you in your life is to find seasons, pockets of rest. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Another translation says, he restores my soul. Restoration comes in the rest. Restoration for your soul, for your mind, for your body comes in the spiritual recess that God provides. So number one, God is a God of recess. He invites us to rest. Number two, though, God commands us to have recess. Here's the difference, because for me growing up, my mom, she always served in church, and that meant that Wednesday we would have Bible studies, and Thursdays we would have Bible studies, and we were always dragged all over the city to go to different Bible studies across the city, and I hated it. And my mom would give us an invitation to which I would decline, but then my mom would give us a command to which I had to say yes to. That's the difference, okay? So God invites you to rest because he's a God of rest. He's a God of recess. But now look here in Deuteronomy, God commands us to have recess. Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 to 14, recalling the Ten Commandments. Verse 12, observe, this is the fourth commandment, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male, female servants, your oxen, donkeys, other livestock, everybody in your house, all your male and female servants must rest as you do. Now we know that under the new covenant, because Jesus died and paid for our sins, we don't follow the law in the same way that they had to follow the law back then. So we don't have to be dogmatic about it. We don't have to be super religious about it. If you work today, God's not going to strike you down with lightning, but just in case, keep your distance. <laughs> but we should, but we should find pockets of rest throughout the week, dare I say, throughout the day even. And I would even say this, that if you do not rest, because we know that if we steal and if we murder and if we lie and if we commit adultery, we dishonor the Lord. It is sin before the Lord. And I would say to you that if you do not have spiritual recess in your life, you are dishonoring the Lord. 
And number three, we're going to fly through this here. I'm a substitute teacher. That's what I do. Spiritual recess is prevention and restoration. Spiritual recess is prevention and restoration. The first step, the first step to good workout, the first thing that you need to good workout, come my fitness buddies in the house, is rest. You can do so much more. You can accomplish so much more when you have proper rest. Because proper rest, what it does is it actually prevents injury. And so when you exercise, you're, you're lifting weights, right? You're curling, you're benching, whatever the case may be, you're running. What you're doing is you're actually not building your muscle, you're tearing those muscle fibers. You're testing and breaking down those muscle fibers. And then when you sleep and you take those rest days, that's when your muscles repair. That's when you recover. That's when your muscles become stronger. And we see this from a spiritual perspective in Psalm 23, this cycle of rest, work, rest, or rest, testing, rest, trial, rest, tribulation, and then rest. We see this in Psalm chapter 23. Because in verses 1 to 3, what do we see? The Lord is my shepherd. The shepherd is with you. The shepherd is with me. He lets us rest by the meadows. He lets us rest. He's guiding us by the waters. He renews our strength. He's guiding us along the path. That's the rest. And then comes the trial in verse 4. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid. That's the testing. That's the breaking down. That's the expansion of your faith fibers. God is testing your faith. God is seeing if you can persevere. God is seeing if you can endure. But what happens after that, in verses 5 and 6, it says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Here again, we see this picture of rest. So Psalm 23 is bookended by rest. It starts with rest. There's the trial. And then there's rest Again, sufficient rest is needed for your muscles to recover, but it's also needed to prevent injury. Trials come, trials go. You can't get around it. There's nothing you can do. Getting saved doesn't prevent you, doesn't, doesn't abstain you from going through a trial. If anything, the devil's probably going to work a little bit harder to get you to stumble. Okay? But if you have proper rest, you will endure. And I think so many times, it's not the trial itself that we succumb to. It's not the trial itself that overwhelms us or gets to us. It's that we weren't properly rested. We didn't spend that time in spiritual recess. And sometimes this seems so counterproductive to us because we're, we're accustomed to, we got to work. We got to work. We got to take care of the kids. We got to take care of our family. We got to serve in ministry. We got to do, we got to do, we got to keep going. We got to keep going. We got to keep going. And if I stop for a second, then I won't be as productive. And the reality is that if you stop for a second and, and kind of refix your gaze on Jesus, then you'll be more productive. You'll be more empowered. You'll be more enabled to do what God has for you to do. I was talking to a young husband earlier this week. I said, How, how's it going? And he said, you know, we're doing really, really well. And I said, well, what's changed? And he said, well, instead of watching TV, we started doing our nightly devotions together. We started resting together. We started spending a little bit time with each other in the word, in prayer, in worship. 
And I said, well, when was the last time things were this good for you? He said, well, it's been a minute. It's been a really long time. The miracle of rest, the miracle of recess. Parents, if you don't take care of your kids now, they won't take care of you later. If you don't rest with them now, they won't rest with you later. Listen, my daughter, she was a little bit anxious about the first day of school that she had this past week. And when she got ready, she got her things together. We had about five minutes before she had a, before I was going to take her to school. I said, let's just, let's just sit down. I just put my arm around her. We have to be intentional about rest. Part of the reason why I do that is because one day I'm going to be old and I'm not going to be able to do the things that I do right now. And I'm going to need someone to put their arm around me and I'm going to need someone to feed me breakfast. And, I'm, and, and I hope it's her. And if it's not her, I've got a backup plan. I got Zach. He's my backup. So I did the same thing with him the next morning because I want to make sure I cover all my bases. Okay. <laughs> Caregivers, teachers, students, income providers, you need rest. You need spiritual recess. Ministry workers. I love that we were just talking about the church picnic. The church picnic is going to be run by the staff and the board. That means there's going to be very minimal work for the volunteers, for the attendees, for the members, and it's designed that way so you can come and just rest. Pastor Joy was talking about it earlier. It's going to be a busy season. We're going to be doing a lot, especially as we gear up for Christmas. We've got a couple serve days coming up. And we want you, before we get into that, because sometimes those things are trials. If you work with people, people are trials. <laughs> and so before we get into that, we want to invite you guys to take a little bit of a break. I love how he said we're going to give away a recliner. I love recliners. I'm on my recliner maybe, well, when I am resting, I'm on my recliner probably 80% of the time. Hobbies. Again, P. Joy talked about this earlier. Some of you guys, God gave you a passion for sports. God gave you a passion for music. God gave you a gift to, to draw. And, and a lot of us, we, we put that on the back burner because we feel like we have to just keep working, just keep pressing on. And God gave you that talent so that every now and then, I'm not saying make your life about writing a song, unless that's your job, but God gave you that talent so you can use it for his glory, for his purpose, so you can have those moments of rest. So we don't condemn anyone for watching a football game. Now, if you spend 60 hours out of your week watching football and you got kids to feed, then that's another story. You probably should reverse things a little bit. But if you take that little break, if you, I'm going to get my Pentecostal rag here. But if, well, here comes the anointing. But if you take, but if you take, I was about, no, never mind. But if you take that little break, Listen, I'll tell you guys, as a parent, I got three kids, and there's times I, I feel absolutely no guilt when I watch a football game. No guilt. Because I know that it's going to give me that rest that I need, that recess that I need. And then when I return to my kids, well, more like when they just barge through the door, because that's what they do, I'm going to be refreshed. I'm going to be more productive. I'm going to be more present. I'm going to be more efficient. efficient. You ever wonder why your phone is so slow? Because first of all, you got an Android. But, but other than that, other than that, other than that, other than that, y'all are ruining my group chats, man. Other than that, sometimes you got to restart your phone. Sometimes you got to restart your phone. Sometimes you got to close those apps, right? You close all those apps, 
You're going to be a little bit more efficient. Your phone's going to run a little bit more efficiently. And for a lot of us, we got we to gotta tune out all the voices. Okay? And that brings us to my next point that, that, that rest needs, recess needs to be modeled and Jesus modeled recess. I was, I'm reading a book about Netflix and, and the culture of Netflix. And one of the things that they did kind of early on was they, they created a no vacation policy. And what that means was they decided they were going to stop tracking days. And they were just going to let people take vacation when they wanted. And so it's not uncommon for someone at Netflix to take, even lower level employees, to take six, seven, eight weeks of vacation every year. And of course, the CEO at first, when, when, they, when they were discussing the idea, they thought, well, this is crazy. Productivity is going to go low. It's going to drop. I'm going to show up to the office and no one's going to be there because they're all on vacation. And what they found was the opposite. People were actually more productive when they were there. More work was getting done. Morale was higher. But one of the things that they found was that unless the CEO and the higher-ups modeled rest and vacation, the people weren't going to do it. Okay? And so as ministry leaders, as pastors, your pastor is doing that right today. He's modeling rest for you. We model rest for one another. Parents, you have to model rest for your children. And what they found was it wasn't just that he had to take vacations. He had to post about it. He had to talk about it. And as that spread across the office, said, oh my gosh, like our CEO is taking four, six, seven weeks vacation a year. Everyone else started following suit and it made for a happier and more productive workplace. And so Jesus, our CEO, modeled recess. And this is where we get into what spiritual recess for the believer looks like in Luke chapter 5. Verse 15 and 16 in the ESV, it says, But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But here's the point here in verse 16, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. So as his fame started to, to rise, as his ministry started to grow, there was a greater demand on him. Jesus, you got to teach here. Jesus, you got to heal here. Jesus, you got to do a miracle here. Jesus, you got to provide here. And Jesus said, I'll do those things, but I'm going to withdraw and I'm going to pray. So, so many of us, when we rest, we just stop. We don't actually pray. We don't actually have conversations with the Lord. We don't actually listen. And that's a big part of what rest should look like for ourselves. Someone said, uh, a Greek philosopher, I think, said, you have two ears and one mouth so you can listen twice as much as you can speak. The Greek construction of this verse, I won't say the phrase in, or the verse in Greek because, again, I dropped out of school. The Greek construction of this verse speaks to a continual practice, meaning this wasn't just a one-time thing, okay? Jesus was regularly withdrawing and praying. And as so, our recess should be a part of our daily life, sometimes even multiple times a day. Our family therapist puts it like this. Everyone has a love cup. B.J. talked about this a little bit in week one. Everyone has a love cup. And so when your love cup gets filled, you love more. You are filled. You are, you are more joyful. You're, you're just better to be around. And when your love cup is drained, you're just, you're not a nice person. My love cup, we were talking, again, we were talking about this in family therapy. My love cup is when my, my kids listen to me. 
which explains why I'm so cranky all the time. Shout out to the worship team for, for sitting here. We're, we're sitting in the front row now. And so shout out to you guys for listening because that fills my love cup. It makes me a better person. And so for me as a parent, listen, listen. 15, 20, 30 minutes in the morning with Jesus is great, but sometimes that's not enough to get me through the rest of the day. With everything that we go through, with everything that I go through, sometimes I come home from work and before, sometimes, listen, I live by, uh, by, by train tracks and sometimes on my way home, I see the train, the freight train coming and, and I, man, I got to go around the train because it's faster. And sometimes I say, you know what? I need this rest because I know who I'm coming home to. I know my kids are, aren't in the best mood right now and I need to sit in front of this, tra- this freight train and just be with Jesus for the next 10 minutes. Look at Luke chapter 7, verse 36. It said, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. Jesus. Yeah, he did miracles. Yeah, he preached. Yeah, he pointed the way to God. But he also rested. He also ate dinner with people. He also had fellowship with people. He also reclined at a table. So, man, I'm going to get that recliner. Listen, <laughs> next time your mom... Your dad, your spouse tells you to get off the recliner. Just tell them you're trying to be like Jesus. I'm just trying to be like Jesus. What would Jesus do? Jesus often broke away from the crowds to share meals and times of prayer with his disciples. Number five, spiritual recess is reflection. Spiritual recess is reflection. Going back to that fourth commandment where Moses says we ought to keep the Sabbath day holy. I love the passage in Deuteronomy because in in Exodus, for whatever reason, it omits this portion. But in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15, this is what Moses says. After saying that you ought to keep the Sabbath day holy, here's what he says you should do on the Sabbath. In that pocket of rest, in that pocket of recess, he says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And this ties in perfectly the idea of when we we rest, the idea that when we rest, we focus our gaze, we fix our eyes on Jesus, ties in perfectly with Psalm 23, because the point of Psalm 23 is the gift, not the giver, not the blessing, but the blesser. In school, we were taught that every sentence has a subject and a predicate. I do remember this. The subject is what the sentence is about, and the predicate is really just the rest of it. It's what that noun does. It's the verb. It's the action. And so many times when you read Psalm 23, we think, wow, this psalm is about me because I'm resting, because I'm being led, because I'm walking through the valley, because there's a dinner for me. But if you read it the right way, Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest. He leads me. He renews. He guides. I don't have to fear because He is with me and He prepares the table and His goodness and His mercy follows me. God is the subject. You're the rest of the sentence. God is the main character. You're just part of the story. 
And what I love about God is it says in Revelation, that he's the God who was and is and is to come. That means that if he gave you rest, he will give you rest. And if he gives you rest, he will give you rest. And if he brought you through a valley, he will bring you through the valley and he will continue to bring you through the valley because that's what he does. But we tend to fix our eyes on the gifts and the blessing because we want God's provision and his protection, but we don't want his presence. Parents, you guys know this because as good parents, we, we think for their birthdays and for, for holidays, man, what's the perfect gift for my kid? And a couple years ago, we gave our daughter a cell phone. Two years, finally got it paid off, thank God. Because we wanted to teach her responsibility. We wanted her to have that connection with her friends. We wanted her, wanted her to feel like she wasn't being left out. And so I enjoy when I see my daughter on the cell phone. I like it. I like that she can unwind. You know what I don't like? Is when I'm trying to get her attention, she's on the phone. She's so fixated on the phone. She's so fixated on the gift. She forgot who gave it to her. You know what I do as a good father? That's my phone. Why do I do that? Because I want her to reconnect with me. I want her to have a little bit of rest with me. I want her to have that recess with me. Some of you guys, oh, well, why, why did God take on my child? Maybe because he wants more time with you in this season. Some of you guys, you can't sleep because that's the only time that God can speak to you. And God's saying, well, I'm just going to keep you up so I can speak to you because I want you to know how much I love you. Resting. God's presence changes our perspective. Changes the way that we look at the obstacles and the trials. This spiritual recess changes the way we view the conditions of our life. Both the positive and the negative. Yesterday I started doing, or this last couple of weeks I started doing a new workout series because I get bored with stuff and just wanted to try something new and so I do these, what we call high-intensity interval training sessions. And I put a screenshot up here of my workout yesterday. The first part was I had to run a mile, which took me about eight and a half minutes because I just wanted to pace myself. Some of you can run faster, great. Good for you. Okay. I ran a mile, eight and a half minutes, felt really good. I wanted to pace myself because I knew that I had all the other things that I had to do. I had to do the push-ups and the squat jumps and the dips and all those things. And kind of by the end of it, I, I was really exhausted. I was really tired. And that first mile, I did eight and a half minutes. When I started those push-ups, I, I had to break that up because my tricep locked, which is not, not fun. It just, the muscle just stayed in place. Decided to push through anyways because that's just how I am sometimes. And I had to do, to close out this session, I had to do another mile. And that mile, because I wasn't rested at that point anymore, well, first of all, I couldn't even run it. I ran part of it, and I walked some, and then I ran some, and then I walked some. And the difference was, because I wasn't rested at that point, listen, same mile, same distance, same path, same weather conditions, different perspective. 
because I was exhausted. I was so tired. And I just, I just said to myself, I, I can't, I cannot run this. I put my time up just in case, you know, some of you fitness enthusiasts, you want to beat that, go for it. Iron sharpens iron. We're going to open up the altars in a minute. Listen, David and King Saul, they saw the same enemy, right? They saw the same Goliath, the same giant, same sword, same spear. They heard the same taunts, but they had different perspectives because David rested in God's presence. David spent time with the Lord in the pastures, tending sheep. And when a bear would come, he would defeat the bear. When a lion would come, he would defeat the lion. And he learned how to trust. See, guys, trust is proven in the valley, but it's built by the waters. Trust is proven in the valley, but it's built in the waters. My, my kids know that they can trust me in difficult times because I provide for them in the easy times. Because I make meals for them, and I buy them things, and I spend time with them, and that builds a trust there. And so, sir, ma'am, I, I don't know what you're going through. You might be going through a difficult situation. You need a change in your perspective. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up. You're exhausted. You're anxious. Man, there's a lot to be anxious about in life. You're anxious about this upcoming school year. You're ready to quit. You feel defeated. I believe that, that God wants to invite you to rest today. I believe that God wants to invite you to take part in spiritual recess today and change your perspective. And so as a worship team leads us in this song, if that's you, you want to come up for prayer, would you come up? Would you take a few minutes before you start your week. This is the best way you can start your week in the presence of God. Would you take some time? If you want to get prayed for, you can do that. If you want to just come at the altar and sit or kneel or stand and just have a conversation with the Lord, I'm going to invite you to do that as well. So if that's you, as they're singing, as they're leading us, I invite you to come and have recess. <laughs>